Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Cotton Story, sponsored by E3 Sustainable Cotton from BASF. I'm Jennifer Crumpler, Fiber Development Manager and Manager of the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program from BASF, and I'm the host of today's program. So today our program is another in our series of podcasts that we call the Women of Cotton at BASF, where we introduce the women working in various roles um, at BASF who help bring, you know, bring the cotton story to life. Um, You know, we've had sales reps on with Elizabeth and Cassidy. We've had our marketing and product managers on with Rachel and Hadley. Um, We have had, you know, with Kate and Kelly talking about plant health and some of the CP products. Well, today I'm super excited um, to introduce another female from BASF, Linda Trollinger. She serves as a Senior Vice President of Research and Development for Seeds and Traits at BASF. Um, And I'm also joined today by my good friend, industry consultant, Bob Anishak. So, Bob, um, welcome back and good to have you on the show. Well, thanks, Jennifer. It's uh, always a pleasure to do these with you. And um, it's... uh, Hope your day is going well. I'm having a good one for a Monday. Hey, so. yeah, it is. It's a Monday. I feel like I've tried to get all my calls and everything in. Um, you know, from last week, it seems like everything. I'm like, I'm going to pack them in at the beginning of the week and later in the week have a couple of days, but that never seems to work out. You know, <laughs> I have good intentions. <laughs> I have good intentions. Um, but I'm also happy to introduce to our listeners today's guest, um, Linda Trollinger. As I said, Linda um, heads up you know, and serves um, at BASF as our Senior Vice President for Research and Development. And so that's a big, huge role. And, um, you know, Linda, I'm super excited to have you today and have you here. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jennifer. It's good to be here. Wonderful. And, you know, for our listeners to know, um, Linda's had such an accomplished career in seeds and traits, biotechnology, life sciences, agriculture, cotton in particular, and I know, um, you know, her background and history, especially because I know I've heard you talk some, the, you know, the influence from some of your family they've had on your career. Um, so I wondered if you would mind sharing um, a little bit about your background with our audience and, um, you know, how did you find your way into agriculture? <laughs> sure, I'd love to. I think I, I seem to have been born into it. Um, I come from a, a long history of, of farming families, so on both my, my mother and my father's side, but I spent as a child my summers, uh, early years, uh, working on my grandparents' farms and uh, what we called then chopping cotton and uh, so hoeing out weeds, uh, handheld and uh, baling and hauling hay and a number of other farm tasks that you can think of that from uh, everything from uh, washing down uh, equipment to uh, hauling hay in the field and uh, chopping cotton and uh, taking care of all the medial tasks that sometimes all the kids and grandkids get to do. <laughs> I learned, Look, I know. I, <laughs> hey, I, had to, I grew up healthy because my family grew up, you know, had tobacco. And so I tell people when they look at me, I'm like, yeah, I learned real quick because we had back in the day when it was hand cropping tobacco and, um, you know, we had to take it and you had to hand crop it. Then you put it on a stringer. And my job was to lay the stick. And I think I learned pretty young. And I tell my dad, he taught me this, that if I laid the stick the wrong way once or twice and the needle messed up, they would get mad. And they tell me to take the tractor to the field and pick up a trailer. And I'd much rather do that. So <laughs> definitely understand um, some of those tasks we had. We were you know, tasked to do growing up on the farm. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that was that was kind of me. Although I didn't live on a farm as a kid, my, my grandparents still did, and we lived in town. But uh, I, I always had to spend the summers out there and worked uh, through the summers uh, for my grandparents. So I spent many, many long hot hours on the end of a hoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, my mother also worked in agriculture uh, as well as, you know, as she uh, got older, she decided she needed to do something other than being a housewife. She had five kids and she decided to go back to school and originally thought she was going to be a school teacher. But the science bug caught her uh, and bit her good. And so she went on to get her undergraduate degree, but also her graduate degree in, in the life sciences and became uh, what many people would consider a pioneer in the industry for, for the cottonseed business, where she developed the technology that is utilized even still today to generate uh, the uh, genetically modified uh, crops that are sold in the market. So there, she was responsible for developing the transformation system for that's utilized to regenerate cotton and so uh, that's her background and as a kid when I was around 14 years of age my mother began carrying me off to the lab with her while she was still in graduate school and uh, just to keep me busy I guess because she didn't have anything else to keep me busy with. Just wanted to keep me out of trouble, I think. Yeah, yeah I, think our, I think our parents found all kinds of things for us teenage girls to do to keep us out of trouble. Absolutely. But there I was in the lab with her up at Texas Tech uh, taking pH, you know, pHing solutions and helping her out with tissue culture and pouring plates for her and just got exposed to it very early on. And so, uh, you know, I, I got the, the, the science bug bit me as well. And so it just it put me on that same path as my mother. So, and I'm grateful for that today. Well, Linda, you're, just, you're not just another uh, PhD. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll put it that way. You have a great background. And uh, I know who to call if I ever have trouble. Exactly. With my, with my crop for sure. So I think that's really cool. But uh Again, your background's amazing. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, uh, today is uh, we're recording on International Women's Day, so I thought it was appropriate to ask you how how is it as a woman to work at BSF, and if you had any advice for women interested in entering the field of agriculture. Well, how is it as a woman working at BASF? I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I think BASF is very mindful about its diversity and inclusion targets and what they want to achieve. I think uh, it's, you know, it's a, a very good place to be. Uh, in general, working as a woman in ag, I've always enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, throughout my career, I have uh, always thought to myself as just being another person in the gang. I didn't really think of myself as being a female or a male, but just somebody who was contributing to the work effort. And so I think that mindset in itself plays a, and, and really served me well along the way because it was all about what was the end goal? What was what were we trying to accomplish? And that was really about bringing valuable products to the growers and making a, a difference in the lives of the growers with the products that we were creating. And, you know, if you keep that single goal in mind, uh, I think uh, you will always be successful, whether you're male or female. I think it's all about, uh, you know, delivering a product to your to your customer, and making the, a difference in the lives of others. So that's what matters. 
but my biggest learning curve uh, working in ag, I think was, I mean, really identifying first and foremost, I think this is true for anyone and everything is that uh, you, you don't know what you don't know until you get out and try things. And so, um, you know, when I first started into agriculture after getting my PhD, I was very much lab-based at that point, but I, I got into uh, field-based work right after um, uh, getting my PhD and starting a biotech company with my mother. That's really how I originally got into the industry. After I finished my PhD, we had a, a small biotech company. But as, as a small business owner, you, you literally have to do everything from the toilet washing to the yes. business deals. <laughs> yes. So you, you get involved in everything. And I got involved in doing a lot of the field work and some of the field activities that I had not, you know, been really uh, doing heavily, uh, even as a kid on a farm. You know, I wasn't the person driving the tractor. And I have to say, I can't drive a tractor so in such a straight row as some <laughs> folks. <laughs> <laughs> so I always admire everyone that works in the in our uh, field stations uh, who can really drive a very straight row. Uh, but uh, I was never really great at that. <laughs> hey, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, learning everything from the, in the asp, you know, of the business from from genes that you put into plants to genes that you put on your legs. You know, it was a steep uh, learning curve for me, uh, to, but it was really invigorating. I really thoroughly enjoyed it, learning everything, not only from the science end of it, but from the field part of it, from the business aspect of it, uh, all the way to spinning into clothes. And so um, I, I'm a learner by nature. I just, that's where I thrive. And so it was uh, something that was just very fulfilling for me. Yeah, and um, I, I love how you said that, um, Linda, from jeans in the plants to jeans on your legs. I think that, um, that I love that. That was great. And, you know, I think um, a lot of our audience that listen, of course, we have, you know, some who are in the ag industry, but a lot of our audience is in the textile and apparel industries. Um, and, you know, and I know you've had experience because a lot of times agriculture, I think, is really hard to understand are hard to know and, and, and for those outside of the industry who maybe don't know why certain things are done or why we do certain things. Um, and so I think, you know, they would really enjoy hearing from you because um, I know you're in charge at, from BASF of our cottonseed technology, future developments, um, you know, some of that. So really love to know, you know, what does it take to manage some of that responsibility and what really drives your interest in developing new cottonseed, um, you know, so we can, take that, you know, the future and, and take it to outside of the industry to help, you know, that learning curve. Sure. Uh, so what does it take to manage such responsibility uh, to develop these products? It takes good people. Uh, it's, it's not one person that does this, but it's a massive set of people, a massive team that work together who have a common goal. As I'm, you heard me talk about earlier about just, really trying to make a, a difference in the lives of others and to to put out products that uh, our growers are, are going to be able to utilize and that are going to deliver some profitability for them and make their lives and their farming uh, sustainable uh, for themselves and their, for their families and future generations as well. So um, that is something that is really just the, the top in mind 
a goal for everyone that gets into the ag industry, I think, who works at BASF. But from my experience, anyone who works in the ag industry really is that it's about being able to drive uh, teams and uh, working with people and uh, who all have a, a, a passion for the same thing. And that's for a passion for farming, a passion for growers and a passion for making a difference in agriculture. Super cool, super cool, Linda. Um, I have a question about the internet. And the internet seems to be this repository of information, uh, which is often not accurate, um, and particularly when it comes to agriculture and cotton. And I was curious how you feel about that. And how do you address, uh, how do you talk to people when they don't understand what GM or, or GMO cotton <laughs> is, uh, and they come, they come yeah, right at you. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. So how do ah, you? Ah, well, that? it's a good question. It's a really good question. So, you know, there, you know, there is a lot of disinformation that's floating around on the internet in agriculture and cotton, but in in many areas of our lives, right? I mean, you take a look at the volatile nature of this past year when we talk about the pandemic or or uh, politics. Uh, you, you see it right and left uh, where there's a lot of disinformation out in the, in the uh, on the internet. How do I feel about it? Probably much like anyone else, I suppose. I get frustrated by it. Uh, I, uh, I, I have a tendency to tune out of certain news channels without saying, <laughs> saying <Yeah>. any particular <laughs> words because I'm not sure I could, <laughs> not sure I would label them as news, but uh, and maybe maybe something else. But I mean, you know, uh, it's, in, in general, you just have to, you know, weigh things for yourself and, and really look at the facts. And that's what I really encourage people to do when, when they approach me about uh, controversial topics and GM technology being one of them. I just try to give them the facts, you know, uh, you know, everybody has an opinion. They, they think one way is better or another. And is there one thing that is right or wrong? No, I don't think so. I think it, it's what's right for you. And so it's my job to give you the facts and to let you decide what's best for you. And so uh, I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there in the internet and the different forms of media that uh, people grab onto. And so I look at it as just trying to give them the facts. What is the facts and uh, the real situation so that you can make the best possible decision based off of facts. And so when somebody approaches me, that's what I do. I just try to stick to the facts. Here's here's the information. This is how it works. And, uh, you know, please uh, try to, to formulate your your decision based off of uh, what what is uh, truly the situation. So uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, the 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 technical details and the the uh, vast amount of research that goes into developing some of these products and how rigorous of exercise it is to really register some of these products for our growers to utilize and uh, it's every bit as rigorous as what you might think of uh, some of the pharmaceutical industry uh, has to apply for and so it's really quite a bit of extensive science-based knowledge that's out there for these technologies to show that the products are safe. And so I really just walk them through some of those processes and answer the questions that I can. And then 
uh, let them decide for themselves. Yeah, and, and that's one thing, um, you know, Linda, I think for us with the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program that we have at BASF is really, um, we kind of call it, you know, busting some of the myths and, you know, helping really be proactive and telling our growers story and what they're doing and why they're doing it. Because um, I think, you know, we can all agree farmers are some of the most sustainable people on the planet um, because they live and work, on, you know, they are on the land where they're, they've raised families, they are on the land um, that they're tending and working. Um, and so, you know, we always find there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Um, you know, for example, cotton being a thirsty plant, um, you know, water use and, and some of that. So that's why, you know, one of the areas we capture information on so we can share with the audience or, you know, you know, with others about, well, hey, you know, because for us, this is just one data point in 2019, you know, 52% of our growers had no irrigation. They relied on natural rainfall, which, you know, a lot of times that's a misconception and, p- and people don't understand, oh, wait, okay, that's really what happened. Um, and so when we talk about that. What do you think maybe has been one of the biggest misconceptions or biggest misunderstandings, you know, about agriculture, about what, you know, you do and your, where your career has been based at that we've seen in the media or public, um, when it comes to growing cotton and what it really takes to produce it in the first place, you know, cause I'm sure you've definitely um, ran across some uh, of those in your career. Sure. Sure. You bet. Uh, and, and you hit, I hit it. Uh, the nail right on the head, Jennifer, when it comes to about water usage, that being a, one of the big ones uh, when it comes to cotton, not only from growing it, but also processing it in the textile industry around the water utilization is always a question. And, um, you you hear it discussed quite a bit with regards to cotton, but in, in reality, cotton is is a fairly drought tolerant plant when compared to other crops like corn. Corn uses a lot more water, so uh, there you know there are differences among the various crops, but certainly cotton is grown in some of these regions because it can grow in these more marginal soils because it can grow with uh, lower inputs, because uh, it can grow with le- less water in some conditions. Now, if you give it more optimal growing conditions, will it do better? You bet. Of course it will, just like most other things. But it does have uh, the adaptability and capability to grow in some of the more marginal lands as well. And so this is one of the advantages of it and why you grow cotton in the South. And so why we grow cotton in West Texas, where, where we can grow it without irrigation and in some areas where we might not produce as much as we'd like uh, without the irrigation, but certainly we're able to still produce it. So I think that is one of the most uh, common ones. The other one, and I think is that I have heard over the years, and I think this is changing somewhat, is that, uh, you know, I can remember as a kid and even in high school, people thinking that farmers were just, you know, these wealthy people with these large, vast amounts of land and they just uh, had hands that went out and did all the work for them, et cetera, and they made some money. And well, this just really isn't the case, really. It takes a quite a substantial f- sized farm to support even a small size family. And uh, there is no harder working man in the industry, I think, than a yeah. farmer because there's no, it's, you're on all time. Mm-hmm. There's no stop, right? Plants don't stop growing. The, the, the sun comes the, the, and shines and it rains and the weather happens regardless of what other is going on. The pandemic may be going on, but farming doesn't stop. Uh, you know, uh, so the farmers don't either. And uh, I, can, I can tell you uh, there's a great image. I've seen it on LinkedIn before 
where there's a, a picker going in the field and it's probably about 11 o'clock at night it's after dark and you can tell that the driver is tired but the, they're harvesting even after dark and this is just a really good depiction of a farmer because they're they get up in the dark and they they don't and they go to work and they don't come out of the field until after dark often and so there's some of the most hardest working loyal uh people in the industry or in in that i have ever met across any industry and so I think sometimes that that has been a, a misconception that when I engage with people who are outside of ag, they have a very different impression of a of a farmer, who a farmer is and what he does and uh, how much work it really takes to, to grow a crop. You know, one of the things, Linda, that uh, I know Jennifer and I've seen time and again are uh, clothing, you know, people out of the clothing trade say, and they have all these opinions about what makes cotton sustainable or not, what makes cotton good or bad, you know, according to their definitions and all, and it's all over the place. And yet these people, self-proclaimed experts, have never even been on a field before. You know, it's just, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of my biggest see. things that you was, know? you know, my biggest learning curve. I've been in the industry probably, you know, 18, 20 years, um, and, I, and I guess it never occurred to me because I, I just always thought, but, you know, in the last year, year and a half working in this part of the industry is realizing so many people who make the decisions at the end of the day or, you know, who want to say how to grow or how to do cotton. They've never been in a field. They've never seen a cotton plant. They've never talked to a farmer. And and like as Bob said, it, it just has been a real eye opener for me um, to learn <laughs> that that's um, kind of been the case in in the industry for a while. Oh, they have they have uh, sustainability indexes that are created, and it shows that synthetic fibers are more somehow better for the planet than yeah. naturally grown product. I don't know. I don't. I don't quite get that. But uh, be it as it may, that's what a lot of the people in the clothing industry react to. So it leads up to a question of of really BSF. BSF has this huge array of online information that's available. Of course, we have E three. And all the all the data that's available. Are there any other aspects of the, either the website or other reports that BSF's involved with that you could point to that could help people to become better educated? Certainly, the there's uh, quite a number of of information that's coming out right now with regards to our pipeline. So there was a recent press release about our innovation pipeline. If you haven't seen it, you'll probably see that on aginnovation.com with regards to LinkedIn, uh, but I would, you know, just recommend you go out there and, and take a look at that. You'll see what all we have available. You'll learn more about uh, what BASF has in its pipeline in itself, but also there's quite a bit of information with regards to our sustainability targets uh, and uh, how we apply sustainability criteria, not only uh, in our processes while we're developing products, but in the target deliverables of the products themselves. So uh, BASF is uh, very much focused in on helping to be a stronger partner in sustainability in agriculture. Yeah, and I appreciate that so much, Linda. And yeah, so all of our listeners, you know, definitely go in. Um, you know, BASF does, has, does have a presence on, you know, 
all the social media channels, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, um, our website, you know, you can definitely get the information. Um, there's some other, you know, uh, great information websites that are out there as well um, that you can get that, inf- you know, information from. And I think it's great to go straight to the source, um, you know, so BASF or other ag industries just to really kind of get the science and information behind it. Um, so, Linda, I thank you so much um, for being on today. I really, you know, I love every time I hear your story. I've heard it a couple of different times on calls I've been on. And it's just really is amazing to me, kind of that pioneer, you know, that your mother and then you kind of followed through in those steps. Um, and the best thing about it, and I think our listeners can tell today, just the passion in your voice and that you really just love what you do at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I told my boss this just the other day. I said any day in the field is still at the worst day in the field is still better than the best day in the office any day of the, any day of the week. So, uh, yeah, I love being in the field. I, that's one thing. And I would say if Bob, you asked me earlier about my biggest learning curve, and I would say my biggest learning curve is learning how much I really loved it that passion for agriculture so um i, I would say really, uh, and it's been a lifelong passion and i don't think it's going to stop anytime soon <laughs> no well i appreciate that so linda <laughs> thanks so much for joining us today and bob thank you too i think it's been a great discussion um and i'd also like to thank you our listeners for joining us and hope that you enjoyed um this episode in you know the women of cotton at basf um and as bob said you know we're recording this today on international women's day so it's really exciting um to have you know to be able to share the story of you know a female who's given so much um to the industry so should you have any questions about our e3 sustainable cotton program please email me at e3 cotton at basf.com and don't forget to follow us on social media at E3 Sustainable Cotton. Thanks so much and see you next time.